Hi, this is Erin Olson of Sandal Feet Ministries. Thank you so much for stopping by my podcast today. If you'd like more information about my ministry, please visit www.sandalfeet.org. Thank you again for stopping by, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, this is Erin Olson. Thank you so much for joining me for week nine of my Bible study, Forgiveness, Unforgiveness, Revealed Through Your Fruits. This week, we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, as it relates to abruptness. Let me go ahead and open us up in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for today. Lord, we thank you for the gift that it is to be able to be here and be in your presence. Lord, we thank you for your word that gives us truth and direction. Lord, I just ask that you would um, just fill this place, Lord. Fill the space wherever someone is listening, Lord, that, that you would be there with them to help them discern what it is that you are trying to say or to understand your word um, even in a greater way today to make it more relevant to their lives. Lord, help me with my words. Guide me with your wisdom. Lord, uh, give me grace and mercy to deliver this message. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today we're going to be talking about gentleness, as I said. And I love that, you know, many children's books show Jesus as just a gentle little lamb. And while it is true he is the lamb that was slaughtered on our behalf, he's also a lion. So there's both gentleness in his spirit and a sense of strength in his spirit. However, when we see Jesus in the Bible, there's very few instances where he is abrupt. For the most part, he's pretty gentle. Uh, He's persuasive in his demeanor, just in his presence. And if you've ever actually sat in the presence of God, um, fully enveloped in his presence, you know what I'm talking about. You know that there's just no mistaking the fact that there is something different about that place, different about your time with him so much different. Um, He meets you there. He's gentle. He's like that. He's like that friend that you've had that you can just pick back up in a conversation. Never that you have to explain why you've been away. Never that you have to uh, find just kind of fake stuff to talk about, filler stuff. Um, You know, he he understands. He's just there for you, and, and he understands in his gentle spirit. And so when we're talking about gentleness as it relates to the fruit of the Spirit and how that looks in our lives when we're referring to forgiveness. Um, There's a great example of this in the Bible. If we look in John chapter 4, there's an account of a woman in Samaria who met Jesus at a well. And a lot of people have preached this message. Uh, Many preachers love this message. You know, Jesus is our living water. And, And so when we see Jesus purposefully went to this area, most people, scholars argue that they would have went out of their way. Most Jewish people would have went out of their way to avoid this area because the Samaritans were unclean to them. Um, they did not like them. They were marrying the Israelites. Uh, they didn't like it. They had pagan rituals. They worshipped false gods. And uh, so they were warned to stay away from them. And yet Jesus intentionally went to this area to go from point A to point B. And so Jesus meets this woman at a well uh, in the village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. 
So Joseph, remember, he this well that we're referring to is originally in Shechem, and Shechem is where Joseph originally went to go find his brothers. And so um, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was so tired from the long walk that he sat wearily beside the well at about noontime. This is in John 4, verse 6. Now, the significance of this noontime appointment is, is great because in the Middle East, the heat is very hot uh, at noon, you know, one of the hottest parts of the day. And so many people, most people were not out at this time of the day. They either went to draw water from the well early in the morning or they went to draw water from the well in the evening, but hardly ever during the daytime. And so this woman had to go to the well because she was considered an outcast in her village. Um, she was not necessarily the one who your mom wanted you to be friends with or not necessarily the one whom your husband might want you to associate with as, as a best friend. Um, she just had a, a past, as we'll learn here in a minute, um, that people did not like. Uh, people still don't necessarily approve of it today, um, but especially back then. And so there was something different about this woman that caused her to have to go draw water in the heat of the day by herself. And it is at this place and this time of the day where Jesus met her. And so uh, in verse 7, it says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. So Jesus was tired, it says, um, he sat wearily. He was thirsty. He was hungry. He was tired. You know, he was actively going from village to village, preaching and, 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 and talking and healing and performing miracles. And, and if you've ever spent any time doing any sort of work that is emotionally draining, you know, this kind of weariness that he has, he was just exhausted. He was hungry. He was hot. He was tired. And so the disciples had went ahead to go buy some food for themselves and for Jesus to nourish their bodies. And so here he was sitting by this well, and he asked this woman for a drink of water. In verse 9, her response said, The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? You know, Jesus was talking here to a woman. Um... Men didn't normally talk to women back then. Um, men, especially rabbis, which Jesus was considered at the time, would not speak to a woman in public. And a respectable woman would have, had the, would have fled the minute that a man started talking to her. She would have put her, a reputable woman, would have put her head down and took off running the other direction. And instead, they continued to engage in this conversation. And so Jesus replied to her, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. And she responded to Jesus, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. Jesus was sitting there without any tools, anything to collect water with. So was he really thirsty? Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave, up, gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? She's here talking about how great Jacob is. She knows church history. She knows what happened, what was going on. It's a very storytelling uh, 
uh, society. She knew what was going on, so she was well-versed in things of God. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them. That bubbling spring welling up, but it's within them, a bubbling spring, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. She's still talking about physical water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. So the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming indeed, it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we see in this encounter that Jesus is being extremely gentle with this woman. He is giving her answers. She's asking questions and he's responding. And and so even in her hesitation or even in her eagerness to not ever have to come back to that well again, to have to draw water at noontime for the disgrace that she felt, shame that she felt, loneliness that she may have felt. She didn't want to come back to that well in the noontime because every time she made that trip to the well by herself, lonely, it reminded her of what she didn't have. Um, You know, the ridicule that she faced, the scorn that she faced, the shame that she had. Every trip, every day, could you imagine? She had to think these thoughts and get to the well knowing that nobody was going to be there. But today, Jesus was there to meet her. And so he still said, he said, Jesus told this woman to go get your husband. And she responded truthfully. She said, I don't have a husband. Now, she could have lied in that moment. She could have made up a story. She could have stumbled. But perhaps for the first time in her, in her life, she kind of maybe said her sin out loud. You know, actually confessed it to a person, if you will. Um, because he wasn't, he approached her in a spirit of gentleness. He wasn't putting her down because she was a woman. He wasn't putting her down because she was a Samaritan. He wasn't putting her down because he knew exactly who she was, the choices that she had made, the things that she had done, the, the sin that she was currently living in by living with a man who wasn't her husband, which at that time was punishable by death and which is considered adultery in that day. So, um, he was just prodding her gently. He wasn't being abrupt. He didn't sit down at the well and say, I know why you're here, woman. I know you're here in the middle of the day because you've had five husbands and you're not even living, you're not even married to the man that you're currently living with. You're such a sinner. Why don't you confess? Why don't you repent? You know, change your wicked ways. I am the Messiah. He didn't come to her in a spirit of abruptness. He came to her in a spirit of gentleness. He came to break away those hard parts of her heart 
her exterior, while she wanted to be tough on the outside, was slowly breaking on the inside. And I know so many of us know that feeling, right? We know what it means to act tough on the outside, like nothing's bothering me, it's okay, uh, you know, it's my lot in life, I've made some bad choices, but I've just got to suck it up now, this is kind of what I've been thrown, and now I have to deal with it, kind of a, an attitude. And so th this sin of hers, this loneliness of hers, it was eating her up. She wanted that water desperately, so she never had to go back to that well, not because it was hard labor to go back and forth to that well, but because of what going to that well at noon meant for her. And so Jesus, in his gentleness, he said, you certainly spoke the truth. And so the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah in verse 26. Verse 27 says, just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? The woman left her water bottle, her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone. So Beth Moore in her study, Breaking Free, reminded us that in this account that Jesus went to that well without a water jar. His disciples had went ahead. He was going to have to borrow something if, if he was going to get a drink of water, cup it in his hands or something. But this woman brought her water jar to the well to be filled up. But at, at the end of this encounter, when she left to go back home, she left her water jar at the well. She no longer cared that she was physically thirsty because Jesus had filled her up internally. And so with his living water. And, and Jesus didn't need a jar at that moment because he knew God ordains every moment and everything that happens in this life. And he is all knowing. He knew his intentions of going to that well that day, setting his disciples ahead because his disciples would have stopped him from talking to a woman. You can tell by their response. When they came back to the well, they were shocked that he was talking to a woman for many reasons. One, she shouldn't have been talking to him and he shouldn't have been talking to her in public alone. Uh, but so he had sent them on ahead and he intentionally went to this well to meet this woman for this divine appointment. And so he didn't need a water jar because he had no intention that day to go there for a drink of water. He had every intention to go there to save that woman and to fill her with his presence. And so she, in essence, became his water jar. And so at the beginning of the encounter, we see that Jesus is weary. He is tired. Um, but as we see towards the end... In verse 31, it says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And in verse 34, Jesus replied, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me, and from finishing his work. So Jesus was telling his disciples here in this moment that by doing the will of God, he was replenished. He was filled back up. His spirit was now going forth. He didn't have to worry about eating food, drinking water to nourish him. His living water was poured out into another who nourished him. And then by doing the will of God, by doing the will of God, 
by going to that well, which was God's will for Jesus to be in that divine place to meet that woman at the well, to perform a, a miracle of forgiveness, if you will, that replenished him. He no longer needed food. He no longer needed, he wasn't tired anymore. He had a zip in his step. And we see later in this account that when the woman went back, she ran and told everybody in her village whom she had met. She went knocking on those doors. She went, she didn't go and keep that for herself, even though every person in her village probably had shunned her, that nobody would uh, look at her, talk to her, that she had to go to the well in the middle of the heat, that she went back there and she went and told every single person. And the only reason she could do that was because she had met the Messiah face to face. And by meeting him face to face and by receiving his living water, she was able to then take his gentleness and become gentle and go back to the village and share the good news with them. And so what I want you to take away from this is that um, our gentleness comes from the Lord. He, by the, by the Holy Spirit, allows us to be gentle to those whom we might not otherwise be gentle to. Um, she went back to people who had been mean to her, cruel to her, probably threatened her with death. We don't know this man whom she was living with, um, why he wouldn't marry her. So perhaps she was almost like a slave to him, a servant to him, if you will. Um, we don't know the whole situation, but we can only imagine that for this woman who, for some reason, was pardoned from death. So, um, but she didn't have any friends. And so her gentleness reflected back on these people to share the news and not to rub it in their face became the fruit of the Spirit upon her as she went back to that place. And I had kind of a, a my own sort of encounter with a gentle spirit situation, if you will. I wrote about it in my Bible study, but several years ago, we've lived in our house now um, a little over a decade, almost 12 years now. I, it was 10 years when I wrote the Bible study, but 12 years now. And several years ago, um, I happened to be walking by my laundry room. I have a glass door in my laundry room. And, and our beagles, our beagle at the time was out there. And, and, and I happened to look out the window and there's a man bending through his arm through my electric gate across my driveway, patting my beagle. Now, my beagle howled at everybody. My neighbor hated my dog so much that she actually called the city on me several times to report him because he howled at everybody that came near our property. He was like our guard dog. Um, and so when I happened to look out there, I found it odd that he wasn't howling at this man. So I opened the door and I kind of walked out there and struck up a conversation with him. And, and it turns out he wasn't entirely homeless, but he lived in a pay-by-day hotel. And so... Um, we got to talking and, and he asked if he could wash our windows. He was trying to earn some money to pay for his room and board. And so I made the decision, since he passed my Beagle test, I made the decision to allow him to, to wash my windows that day. So I went in my house and I made him a sandwich and got him a glass of milk. And I set it on the back porch and I set his money on the back porch on my table and I went in, locked all my doors. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that silly, but I locked all my doors and uh, just kind of watched this man. He washed my windows for a little while, and then he sat down and had some lunch, and then he went back to eating. And uh, 
And I just kind of watched him. He was very joyful. He was out there kind of talking to himself. You could tell he probably had some, you know, mental issues going on. And he was whistling and talking and whistling and talking. And and another person happened to come by that was doing some work on my yard. And he was just amazed. He was a Christian man. And he was just amazed, you know, the fact that I was allowing this man to do work and that I served him and, and you know, did all that. And so the man went on his way. And I didn't see him for a long time after that. I really thought it was a strange point in my life, I was really fearful of everything. I was struggling with that issue. And uh, so I thought, you know, God, I mean, is this an angel? Who, who is this a test? What was that that you just did? Because when I looked out the door again to go see where that person went, he didn't have a car, obviously. I didn't see him anymore. Well, so I thought that odd. And then I kind of filed it away. And then a couple of years went by and I happened to see the man again in my neighborhood. And uh, so he came up to my door one day and asked if he could wash our windows again. And, and I said, you know, I'm getting ready to head out. I won't be here. And he said, well, how about I come back tomorrow, but can you pay me in advance? Because I need uh, the money today to pay my bill. And then, um, but I'll come back in the morning when you're here. And I said, okay. So I gave him the money and the next morning he didn't show up. And so I thought, hmm, well, you know, he kind of stole my money. And, and so I didn't see him again for a long period of time. And, and I'd see him after that, though, uh, maybe after several months. And then I would see him again in the neighborhood from afar, you know, maybe at the bus stop or walking down the street or something. And I would think, hmm, well, I guess he's still trying to make a living. Well, another several years go by, a few years go by. And, uh, and I found out that he was coming to the door sometimes, but my husband possibly answered the door. One time he gave him a little bit of cash. The next time he said, I'm not going to give you any cash. And, and so uh, one time uh, recently, this was last year, right about the time I was writing this Bible study and I was kind of having a block on what to write. He, I was leaving to go pick up my kids from carpool and uh, he kind of stopped me in the middle of the street at the stop sign right by my house. I rolled down my window and I greeted him with a smile and, and he said, you know, ma'am, it was like a few years ago that I, I took some money from you and uh, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And I'm really sorry about that. And, and I said, yeah, you know, well, that's, that's fine. He said, can I have another shot? Can I clean your windows again? And, and I said, well, I'm on my way to my kid's school and, you know, I don't have any cash with me right now and everything. He's like, well, I'll go ahead and start. And when you come back, you can pay me. So I said, fine. And so he started on the front of the house because he couldn't get into the backyard. And when I came back, he was sitting on my front porch just waiting for me to get back. And so I went in my house and uh, got my kids in the house and um, went outside and I gave him his money and I gave him, you know, something to drink and we had a little bit of a conversation and I said goodbye and I shut the door, went back in my house. Maybe a few minutes go by and, and I felt like a tug on my heart, the Holy Spirit. Um, he... He said, give him a copy of this Bible study. And it was before the Bible study was even printed. So it was just in, you know, a Word document. So I went in my house and I printed off a copy of the entire rough draft of this Bible study. And I went out to him and I handed this to him. And I said, I want you to know that, that the Lord told me to give this study to you. And um, he said, you know, I'm just so grateful that you chose to forgive me. Now, I want you to know that I never said the words, I forgive you. I never said anything of that nature. All I did was allow this man an opportunity to make things right. And um, 
and I believe it was only because of my gentle demeanor towards him. I wasn't abrupt. I didn't accuse him. I didn't say, you stole money from me years ago. Do you not remember that? I didn't, none of those hostilities, very similar to what Jesus was doing to this woman at the well. Nothing that I did made him defensive. Nothing that I did made me defensive. It was a very calm, very, um, very kind of peaceful conversation. And so when I gave him that and we started having a long conversation, I learned about his father, the fact that his father was a pastor and, and he admittedly has a drinking problem and, and, you know, who knows what else. And, and, you know, that he has demons that he's trying to fight. And he said, but for a father who prays for me every day, I don't even know where I would be. And I would have never had this conversation with this man. Um, he knows scripture. He knows God. He knows Jesus. He knows all of this. He's just struggling with just issue after issue after issue. Um, but what he told me at the end was just kind of food for my soul as a woman who was writing a Bible study about forgiveness at that time. He said, you know what? I want to thank you so much again for forgiving me today because I'm going to go out and forgive someone who's done something to me. I'm going to go ahead and offer some, extend forgiveness to them because you offered forgiveness to me. And I don't know what he's done with that Bible study. I don't know if he's read it. I don't know if he's talked to others about it, but what I do know that in that moment, the only way, the only reason that I acted gently was because of the fruit of the Spirit. I think if I had ap acted abruptly in that conversation while I was still in my car at the stop sign, I would have never had the opportunity for him to recognize a spirit of forgiveness, to recognize um, how much he loved his dad, um, for him to speak his sin out loud. Uh, to confess his sin out loud, to take a copy of my study, that would have never transpired. I would have missed a very divine appointment, I do believe. And so what I want you to think about this week is this world calls us to hate our enemies, but Jesus actually tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so if we are to love everybody, we should be responding gently to those who have done us wrong, to those who um, have harmed us, those who are not nice to us, uh, those in some way where, um, you know, maybe they need to say, please forgive me. But instead of you waiting for their request of forgiveness, um, you just act gently towards them and maybe a confession will come. And in that moment, it'll be beautiful because the tide will shift and words will be exchanged and hearts will be opened to receive something just like this woman at the well. She received water that never made her thirsty again. And if she had left that well, if she had acted very defensively and in Jesus's face, if you will, that conversation would have never transpired. She would have never ran back to her village a changed woman she would have never shared the good news that the messiah was right there and if she had never shared that good news many people in that village would have never received jesus and because it says the bible says that he stayed there and because of her 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 statement many many were saved it's a ripple effect so we don't know what today's gentleness causes for tomorrow so just remember this week when you're walking walk in a spirit of gentleness, especially to those who are in a position where you need to extend forgiveness, they need to extend forgiveness to you. Um, even as it relates to Jesus, Jesus is gently going to sit there, gently ask you to say, 
All right. Which, what do you got for me today? What is it that we need to talk about? What is it that you maybe need to say out loud for the first time? What sin do you need to confess out loud to Jesus for the first time today so you can receive his living water that will fill you up and cause you to never, ever be thirsty again, to be filled up, to be able to be among the living, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. That's my challenge for you today. So let me go ahead and close this in prayer, and I thank you so much for joining me this week. Jesus, you are the living water. You are the one who fills us so that we never thirst again. Jesus, thank you so much for this example in in John chapter 4, Lord, of just your gentle and humble spirit. Lord, we want to be more like you. We want to be more gentle. We want to be more humble. How can we do that? What does that look like in our lives? Lord, lead us and guide us. If it's in your word, Lord, reveal it to us. Give us a, a desire to read your word more, to learn more about you, your character. Lord, and allow us to be willing vessels to be used by you in every opportunity, in every season, in every way. Father, I thank you for my listeners today, Lord. I thank you for this study. Lord, I pray that it's opening hearts, breaking down walls, breaking strongholds. Father, use it for your good, for your glory. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. 